Hello, and welcome to episode 60 of the MR Running Pains podcast. My name is Aaron Saft. I'm your host and producer and editor <laughs> of this podcast. And today I have with me uh, a longtime friend and very special guest, obviously. Her name is Franny Conte. Franny um, is... Uh, well, she's originally from Italy, as you'll as you'll hear, um, but lives in Charlottesville, Virginia, with her significant other, Gil. Um, they put on the Bad to the Bone races, and Franny has a long resume of awesome races that she has done. Uh, so she's going to share some of her extensive experience and uh, knowledge of how she trains for, for mountain races today. So we're going to do a deep dive into the uh, training for, for mountain races, um, pitfalls that we have um, found in the past, um, successes and our favorite workouts, etc. So I uh, hope you enjoy this episode with Franny. Franny, once again, thank you for your time for this episode. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you do too. All right. Well, I'd like to welcome to the show here, Franny Conte. Franny, how are you? Hey, Aaron. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, it's awesome great to see to you. Great to be here. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're, we're on video here. We're not recording the video, but, <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, last time I think I saw Franny was uh, at Hellbender, uh, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, you unfortunately had a, a fall within the, was it the first five miles on the road? <laughs> it, was less, it was less than that. I I am sure was the the only person ever in the history of that race, the past and future, that <laughs> fell on the pavement. <laughs> the first like three miles, just something caught, and you know, of course, I can't remember if my headlamp was off or I just decided, yeah, hell is pavement, I don't need it, and yeah, I beat up my knee. <laughs> Oh. Badly, yes. <laughs> that was that was awful. I felt so bad because I was at that first aid station. You were already hobbling, and I was like, "What? <laughs> what is going on?" Yes. Uh, so, uh, for um, for those that don't know, uh, Franny is uh, she is an accomplished runner in her own right. We're going to talk a little bit about that, and then she's also uh, an RD with her um, her significant other, Gil, um, and they put on the the Bad to the Bone races, which is where we initially met back in uh, probably the, like early like two thousand or two thousand one. I, I believe so. Yes, I believe so. Right. <laughs> I used to do their races in, well, I still go up to do their races in the, uh, the Charlottesville area, but they have races kind of throughout the country. So, but, um, predominantly in that Shenandoah Valley, uh, which is amazing and beautiful courses. So, uh, Franny, tell us a little bit about, um, your running background. So I've been running for a while. I think about, oh gosh, 15, 16 or so, maybe a little bit more, um, I, you know, it's just very simple. I was never a runner until I did, I actually discovered trails. And once I discovered trails, I just kind of went, went from there. Um, was never a fan of road races, was never a fan of large marathons. And once I discovered this little niche of running in the woods with a few people, uh, I was just hooked. Um, so that's, that's really all, all that I've been doing. Um, I'm originally from Italy, so there wasn't a lot a lot of school sports there. So I didn't do a lot of track and field or anything like that. I just kind of, like I said, found the woods and yeah. went into it. What part of Italy? Northern, North, North Italy. So it's called Alto Adige. It's the region really close to the, well, not close to, but 
on the Alps, really close to the border with Austria. Um, that's where my family is from. That's where I was born and raised. And I came here when I was about 19, 19 to go to college. That's great. Yeah. Have, have you done some races over there in Italy? I have. Um, and we'll talk about that too, um, about the difference, you know, and in the terrain between the Alps and, and any other mountains out there. Um, but yeah, there are some awesome, awesome events out there. So I've done a few, um, not UTMD, I've done Lavaredo and a few of the other races that are not really well known, but it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Place yeah. to be in to race for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody that's listened to this podcast knows that I've done UTMB because I probably talk about it on every, every episode. <laughs> 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 but um, what other, um, I, you've done a slew of, of ultras and, and trail races. Um, which ones have you done here in the U.S. that, that were some of your favorites? Oh, my, um, I like anything in the big mountains. I haven't done hard rock. Um, I did Wasash last year. I really like the headlands, which I know it's a smaller event, but I love just the area around San Francisco. Yeah. Um, Cascade Crest was absolutely beautiful. Uh, there are a lot of races here in the east. Um, loved Ver Vermont. Arkansas was great. Old Dominion was my first undermiler. I actually loved the course at Old Dominion. I, I really can't think of a race that I've done that I wouldn't go back to. I loved all of them in their own. Well, maybe bad water. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> maybe I won't go back to bad water. <laughs> um, but, you know, every race, as long as it's in the woods and as long there are trails on it, every race has just its own beauty and its own and its own uh, enchantment. So I would go back to any, any and all of them. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Except for yeah. <laughs> Except for bad water, yeah. Because it didn't have pavement. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, no, no trees. <laughs> no trees at all, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, I, I got to crew that one. Yeah, he the the guy that ran it. He's like, "When are you gonna go so I can crew you?" And I was like, "Never, <laughs> no, never, <laughs> never." <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah. So um, we wanted to kind of talk about um how we can kind of just have some, some training for, for these type of, uh, mountain races that, you know, we, we were kind of talking about here. Um, and you know, we're going to go from, uh, you know, when having access to, um, hills and mountains to, uh, if you're stuck on the flat, you know, and, and don't have access to, to that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, in your typical training cycle, if you were training for a mountain race, um, you know, and, and when we define mountain race, it, it can be anything with, you know, significant gain, which, uh, you know, I mean, that can be, you know, many things to different people. So, um, you know, something like Pinhoti, um, you know, with like what, 16,000 feet, that could be, you know, considered a mountain race to somebody from, from Florida. Right. So, right. You know, well, um, it is right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, if you were to do uh, a typical training, you know, for, um, for a mountain race, um, what type of elements do you like to include in your training? Do you block it out and do you have more specific blocks that are focused, um, on like, you know, hill or climbing, um, mm -hmm. or strength specific? How do you do that? Yeah. So, um, I found that for these type of races, specificity is always really important. So like you were saying, when you're talking about mountain races, there isn't just one type, right? You can't just do one type of hill and then 
be done with it. Um, I, so when I'm training for a mountain race, first of all, I try not to do just hilly training. I try to mix, mix the hills with flatter things, just some of it for my own enjoyment. I just like things that change instead of just doing the same thing every day. Um, and some of it, because I think it's beneficial, you know, I'm not a physiologist, but I always think that you're muscles always work in different ways and you're always working some something different so keeping a little bit maybe not everything but a little bit a little mix even when you're doing something really specific it's healthy um i try not to so you i might eliminate very flat things like track workouts but i still keep things like longer flatter rolling on gravel for example which is more runnable there's not a lot of climb so when i'm doing a lot of climb i'll just mix in maybe easier flatter runs or easier tempo runs that are flatter and more runnable um with that said when you do when i do the the more specific hill training i try to really think about especially if i haven't been there what type of hills are are we talking about um there are very hard mountain races and mountain runs here in Virginia, for example, but most of the climbs are longer, they're gradual um, to something. So to uh, so let me back up. Um, you're out in Colorado, the climbs are steep and they're very hard. However, you go to the Alps and you feel like all of a sudden that you didn't know what steep was, right? <laughs> Yes. All of a sudden, there's this other level of steep, and you're thinking, I just cannot be climbing for this long and this steep. How high am I going? Right. Yeah. So, that's the, the steepness and the type of hills is definitely really important because you could be running seven miles up a mountain, but if it's all runnable, you're not really training for something that's very steep. Um, so, you really have to focus on that. And so, with that said, um, when I do the hill workout, I basically try to mimic whatever is going to be into a race. Um, the reason why I like a more mountainous terrain, especially for 100 milers, I feel like it breaks down the race very well. Mm -hmm. If you have a five-mile climb, then you have a five-mile down. That's 10 miles that you've been focusing on the climb and the downhill You didn't, re where you didn't even realize that you were running for 10 miles. You do five of those, and you know you're basically done. Um, so that's what I really like about it, that it breaks down in my head instead of thinking on mileage, I just think of the profile and I think about the number of climbs and it just makes it so much easier to go through the mileage than something where you're just counting the miles in your head. Um, and then, you know, not to mention just, the, just the beauty of it. There's just something about the perspective when you're climbing, all of a sudden you're looking at everything in a different, different perspective and, Everything is smaller down below and it just reminds you how small you are. I just find that fascinating. So that's that's really the reason why I, I love races and and those locations. With that said, I am not very good at very, very technical, very steep terrain. And I'm talking about, you know, just extremely steep. I my preference is mountainous but somewhat runnable. Um I think it's the combination of, of the very steep and 
and very technical. If it's one or the other, I'm fine with it. It's just the combination of the two that I find really difficult. Uh, Wasash, I can't remember what mile it was. I think after mile 80, uh, you, you get this very long downhill and it's all very steep and you have these long jumps and it's just not my thing. You know, I'm just not great at it. Um, so I I always try to get better and that's where the specificity I think comes in for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think when, <clears throat> when an athlete comes to me for coaching, um, what I typically see in their history is that they've, they've really put a, an emphasis on their weekly um, vertical gain goal, mm-hmm. but they, they just, they climb so much. They don't spend any other time trying to work any other system that they spend so much time at a slow pace. When they get to the race, they don't have the, you know, the leg speed to stay on time with the cutoffs. Exactly. Uh, so like, you know, and that's what I, I mean by saying like, you know, how much, you know, do you do like, do you, you know, break it up? Cause what I like to have my athletes do is, is have segments. And the closer that we get to that goal race, the more specific we get. It's not to say that we don't incorporate hill training throughout, but when we right. get to the end of the training block, that last, you know, uh, five weeks before our taper, that's when we're really going to focus on, okay, this is when we're going to hit our vertical goals. Okay. This is when we're going to get really specific about your race and, you know, getting that, that kind of average per mile of what you'll see in the race and the Um, race. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it may be that at the beginning we're just doing hill repeats, you know, just, just working on strides and and getting them used to going fast and working that system. And then, you know, we'll do some, um, some intervals, like a short bout, maybe a few weeks of, of, you know, more high intensity intervals. Um, and then in that we include also some hill repeats, not all the time, but we include it in there. And then you get into kind of your lactate where you're talking about your tempos and we mix that up as well, whether it be on rolling hills. Um, we, you know, sometimes we'll do up, sometimes we do up and down. Sometimes we'll just do flat. You know, it's like you said, it's really good to vary that training. And then as you kind of progress past that, then you can have a good block of that, just, you know, pure climbing, practice your climbing. And, you know, I mean, it, it you know, we can talk about hiking too, cause that's definitely a huge part of this. I don't want to just Right. I don't want to discount right. that. that. That shouldn't be practiced. But I think a lot of people just focus so much on that right. throughout their training. It's just they miss so much other stuff. And that's kind of the, the point that I wanted to hit home was that, you know, right. we got to include all right. this other stuff too, just so you have that, you know, that, that fitness, like that's, I don't, I, th- I think people underestimate the, how much fitness counts in, especially in a mountain race, you know, cause like right. when we get to those, those mountain races, if you, the better your fitness is, you know, the better you're going to perform. So, um, and to that point, um, you know, do you, um, um, how do you incorporate like the, uh, uh, the hiking into your training? What, what type of things do you do for that? Yeah. So, um, that's where it becomes, that's where the specific, the specificity can become a little bit more challenging because if you're training for something that's in Europe, for example, finding that level of steepness depending on where you live can be a challenge Um, so here in virginia for example i have four or five places that i know have have that that incline and that steepness and what i'm what and when i'm trying to do the power walking that's that's where i go the drawback is that you can't really go more than one or two miles here and be that 
that steep consistently. So you have to go up and come back down, go up and come back down, which is not the end of the world. Um, Right. But it's just like where you do your, right. right, Exactly. But it's just like where you do your favorite tempo races. That's kind of where I go. I know where to go to get that type of, um, of power hiking. Um, I try not to power hike everything. There is a level of steepness that I go in, into power hiking on, but I do believe there is value if you have the fitness and it's not tearing you up too much to run, not, you know, run fast, but run a, a sustainable effort on a hill that's maybe not quite as steep. Um, yeah. It just gains gains more time. Um, I find it easier sometimes <laughs> than power hiking. You know, there's there's all it's 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 always that balance that's really just in your brain and nobody can really tell you it's always that balance between how much your effort level and so how much energy you're expending and running versus power hiking what speed you can sustain you don't want to jog something where you could power hike it faster uh what what you're more efficient at you know i'm maybe a little more efficient jogging where it's less steep instead of power hiking so it's just a combination of both and then of course we're talking about as you get later into the race you lose some of that flexibility and some of that um, ease of jogging so you switch more to power hiking but it's always that balance you're always you're always um, doing calculations in your brain during the race should I be running this should I be power hiking this Um, and and I do think that when when you're power hiking, you should be power hiking and not just hiking. You know, there is there is value in training yourself and in hiking fast, in walking fast versus versus just hiking, because you can make up and gain a lot of time doing that. And it's easy to just let your brain wander. It's it's almost as if when you're running, your brain automatically know which gear you should be you should be in when you're power hiking. You have to retrain yourself, at least I do almost every year, to really power hike and really take take put the force into every step and in instead of just oh I'm just going up the hill. Um so that's that's something that that muscle memory it's is something that I have to get back because I don't do hard hard power hiking throughout the year. I I only do it when I when I get closer to it. To the race but it's critical and you know your calves are working more you have to make sure you have to right you have the right shoes so your whole equipment also changes when yes. when you get into more more power hiking and then there's the length of stride how much you can elongate your stride when it, where it's not quite as steep versus shorter stride where it's really steep these are all things that you need to try out and really work on during training yeah. Um, I think I was listening to um, Jason Coop's podcast and mm-hmm. uh, they had um, done research, uh, not necessarily Coop, but he was um, talking about research that he had seen that it's around a 16% grade in which it switches over to be more efficient to power hike. Now, mm-hmm. you know, and we, none of us know exactly what 16% is going <laughs> there, but, but, but I mean, that's, that's kind of what I have my athletes focus on, especially if they have access to like a, a treadmill, you know, with incline is that you know, I kind of put that, that grade that we're practicing at, at 16%, just, you know, cause that's the point it switches over and we may go above that, you know, some of them like to go a little bit steeper at times, but 
usually my practice is at like 16% on a treadmill if, if they have access to that. And I also, I mean, um, this came from, um, Patrick Regan when he was training me for UTMB. And I think, uh, Magdalena Boulay, actually, when she was training him for Western States, she had him use a weighted vest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so That's we, huge, yeah. so we, and, um, Ian Sharman talked uh, all the time about the weighted vest, but, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be heavy, uh, you know, 12, 12 to 15 pounds at most. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, it, it's, it's a great core workout as well. You know, you really start feeling all of those muscles engage and you get to, you really notice when you start really bending over too much. Cause you know, that's, uh, we typically, you know, we start to bend at the waist and that's really putting a lot of strain on the hamstring. So you'll notice that and kind of try to get yourself a little bit more upright. And I, I guess that's, you know, where, we would say poles would come in, you know, and trying to keep us. Do you use poles at all? I have, well, not never. No, um, I haven't. And I, I have to admit, and I am so sorry because I know people are going to hate me, but I've had disdain for poles (laughs) for four (laughs) years. It's mostly the noise of them, you know, when Uh I'm, running and there's somebody and I can hear it and it's getting closer and then they're right there and just a tick 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 and it just drives me absolutely nuts but then I I am trying to navigate something that's very steep and somebody just goes blowing by with the poles and I curse myself thinking I should be using poles so I have tried them here here and there I don't have a great pair the only pair that I have they're actually skiing poles that I've used out in Colorado you know trying to hike so I don't know really how to use them and I'm not a user but um, I will eventually get there because I I see and I understand the benefit that they can give you yeah it's I mean um, I was I would have been you know in real big trouble without them a few times I, I mean I had, uh, in, in Eastern States up in Pennsylvania, um, mm-hmm. I actually ended up with a, uh, temporary hearing loss, which threw my equilibrium wow. and, uh, it, I was using power tools doing uh, trail work without <laughs> ear protection. Oh. <laughs> and, um, uh, so anyhow, I, about 40 miles, I mean, everything was just really distorted. It was, you know, I was having a little bit of vertigo. And, uh, I, I was, you know, I, I've told the story before I was really down and my daughter looked up and she said, daddy, I want to see you finish. Uh, you know, it was like a switch went off and I was like, all right, hand me the poles, right. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I grabbed my poles, which they were my old, like, you know, foam, like they were super old. Like, I mean, like, you know, the, the foam was probably rotting off. They were so old. Cause it was when I was like hiking with my kids with them on my back. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Like hand me my poles. They were like my emergency, you know. So, but after that race, I realized, you know, the value of them, especially at UTMB, like the downhills, you know, especially they save for sure, exactly. Uh, But you know, it's it's one of those things that I really encourage people to to use, to learn how to use, and to you know practice using because you know you can use them incorrectly and they won't help you at all. So exactly, you've got to learn how to use them properly. And I mean, there's some really good videos out there and. Uh, yeah, I, obviously like you could go, you know, to an outdoors, uh, workshop that, you know, if they're putting on one when, as COVID opens up again, um, right. I really suggest people get to know, you know, how to use those, especially if they're permissible. That's the thing, you know, sometimes in the U S they're not permissible. Um, but you know, if, if the race does allow it, it's, it's good to at least have practice with them. And then if you need them, you know, you can pull them out. You can uh, use them and utilize them. Yeah, absolutely. So exactly. Uh, 
but um, you know, and good to go back to the the weighted vest. Uh, you know, some people are like, I, I don't have an, a weighted vest. Uh, I always tell them just use your use your your vest, your uh, your, your backpack. Yeah, right. right. Load it up with the, your your bladder, two liter bladder, and you know, put some um, bottles on the front. We always want kind of a good balance between front and back. Right. Even in race day, you want that that balance. So, but you know, that's, that's good weight right there. You know, just use what you got. It, you know, I had right. someone use the backpack and just loaded it with library books. <laughs> you right, know? right, right. And it's interesting because when I, I never sweat as much as when I'm power, power hiking. And I think that has to do with efficiency, right? That when you're running, it, it, you've been running for 20 years and you're just more efficient, but the, just the, it, it's almost a, a different aerobic workout when you're power hiking something really steep and hard, just your body. It's just not, not, not used to it. And, and that's when you know that you really need it too. Absolutely. And I, you know, with just like with running, I mean, hiking, it's, it's, you should kind of, you know, work your way into it and practice just walking outside, you know, non-weighted, right. just practice walking fast and becoming more efficient with your walking gait because we've, we practice our running gait all the time, but you know, like we don't think about, it. I mean, yeah, sure. We walk around, but we don't walk with intention. We'll call it right. You know, right. Like we, when we say power hiking, I mean, it's just walking with intention. <laughs> so, you exactly. know, practice that walking and, and again, you know, don't do it weighted, you know, wait for, you know, wait till you, you feel a little bit more comfortable and then start adding a little bit of weight at a time. You don't have to go right to 12 to 15 pounds, but right uh, away. Right. And then after, you know, some weeks where you feel comfortable and you don't have to go out much. I mean, just go two, three times a week, go out and walk 30, 40 minutes, you know, maybe have a lunch break and go out for a walk and just walk briskly. And then you can start working into the weighted and then, you know, you can start building incline. If you don't have access to the incline, we'll talk about some, you know, some other things people can do. But, uh, you know, I, I really think people undervalue the, uh, the, the, you know, the whole walking, uh, because if we get faster at that, it just makes us faster overall. So overall, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. So, Very. um, and we'll, we'll get into the, what, what do they do if they don't have in, inclines? But, um, I think another big thing we should talk about is probably strength training. Do you do any strength or core work? I do uh, different, you know, I use a little bit of everything. Well, the weight of vest is huge to be honest with you. So I use, I use that quite a bit. Um, I have a routine, a different exercise. I like the ball just for, just for simple exercises. And I like that. I don't, I'm not saying that I'm consistent. I don't go to the gym simply because I hate the gym. So <laughs> whatever I do, I'll just do outside or at home. Um, Swimming also helps. I haven't been for the past year because of COVID, uh, but I did see the benefit when I am swimming just on the core. I think that's huge. But I think whatever routine, I think it's important to find a routine that's running specific. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there are so many core exercises out there that it's not even funny and it doesn't need to be an hour a day. I think it, it needs to be simple. Those three, four exercises that somebody like you or has experience on and can tell you these are the good ones if you're thinking of using it for running. And just focus on those and don't get lost into a million different other things. Um, yeah. I don't really use a lot of weights. Um, I, I, you know, just the water bottles and the, and the weighted vest and just <laughs> lifting stuff for races. It's really <laughs> enough for me. And then the power hiking. Um, yeah. 
I'll do maybe lunges or things like that because I have the back of my legs are weaker. My quads are much stronger than the than the back of the of my legs. But like I said, they're all plyometric. They're all things that I do at home. I don't really have special equipment, maybe besides the ball and the weighted vest. So that's that's really it. Yeah, it's you know it's what I tell my athletes is just keep it as simple as possible. You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be long. You know, if you're doing it consistently, I like to say like two strength days and two core days, you know, and, and they could even mix at some points, you know, it, so, um, but, you know, just being consistent with it, it, it helps overall, you know, you'll, you'll definitely have that better all around fitness, if you will. Right. Uh, which, you know, and then you can find things that are specific to your weaknesses. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if your weaknesses are shoulder when you're carrying the water bottles, or if your weaknesses, like you're saying is core or, if your weaknesses are your glutes, these are the things that you should be focusing on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, like a lot of times, um, you know, a lot of these races, what we also forget about is the downhills. Um, Mm -hmm. and and, you know, we, um, I was, I was training somebody for, for Western States and, you know, it's from the DC area. Um, and, uh, James, if you're listening, you know, again, I'm, I'm sorry, we forgot about the downhills. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we work so much on, you know, getting him ready for, you know, climbing and everything. The we climbing's talk, right. That just the descending. Cause I, you know, I mean, uh, that Western state, you've done Western, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah there are some great downhills. Yeah. 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 We, we just, we neglected that part of the training. So, uh, it's not to say that we should do all this vertical gain and, and, you know, forget about some of the downhill running now, you know, we can do much more uphill training. It's not as detrimental. It actually, you know, we actually are more, uh, more efficient or better, um, you know, in, uh, in the way that we manage our form. Um, but on the downhill, you know, since it's such a, uh, like in asymmetric motion, we kind of put a lot more strain on the muscles. Um, so it's not something we want to do repeatedly, but do you do downhill training as well? It's, it's my hill repeats are my, my to go workout really. And uh, I'll do like three miles hard, you know, running up and then, yeah. And then I just, I have to find the, the right steepness if it's not steep enough it doesn't really do much if it's too steep i can't get the speed but just the hard running downhills which i know i've been told is not the best for your legs but the reality is if i don't do them and then i go to a race i just lose my quads go ahead i was gonna say it's just finding that balance right like you have you have to recover from those efforts uh and if you recover properly from those efforts, and that means, you know, making sure that you're stretching because you're going to feel it in your quads. That's what I always tell everybody, you know, make sure you're, you're stretching out those quads, massaging those quads after a workout like that. But if you recover uh, and allow your body that, you know, time in between and then do it again, like, you know, whatever it be like exactly. two weeks later, you know, that's, that's totally fine. You know, it's like, it's just don't do it all the time. So all the time. Right. Right. So it's just finding that balance. Right. I have about a four to five week um, cycle where the first time I do it, then I can't walk, you know, hardly the day, the day after. Well, it's, it's, it's actually delayed muscle fatigue syndrome, syndrome, if it's called a syndrome. So it takes about two days, it takes four days for the quads to be able to work again. So, 
you do I do the workout. It's okay the day after, but then the next three days it just becomes impossible yep. to sit on the toilet or anything yep. like that. Uh, yep. But then when I do that two three times, it gets better and better, and then I don't I don't have any issues through the summer. But as far as recovery goes, I'll tell you, um, we being lacking in massage during COVID, we purchased both the Normatec boots and the Hypervolt. Oh wow! The hi- the Hypervolt is actually great. It's just a um, vibration massager. Passion. It makes yeah. a yeah right. It makes a huge difference. They both yeah. do. So um, I was never. I always thought that recovery was sort of a you know loose foo-foo term that was kind of yeah just kind of sort of rest well no it turns out that actually moving your muscles and massaging them it works a lot better than just run and then lay on the couch run and then lay on the couch um so those really help in and they actually help with my quads too so that active recovery makes a big difference Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so does your, you know, everything that you do post post workout, you know, like right. the, your fluid intakes and your nutrition, you know, like all of that stuff comes in. So like, if you have a big effort that you know you're going to be sore from rehydrate, you know, get some good calories back in you, like that stuff will all help flush the muscles, you know, get them moving again and, and, and let them start healing, you know, quickly. Exactly. Uh, so, and I awesome. found for the, for the quad soreness, at least for that jelly feeling where your quads are just totally lost. Um, it really has to, it has to do with the steepness, how steep it is they, that you're running. So it has to do with your muscles, both with the, with your legs trying to slow yourself down. That's what I'm trying to say. You yep. know, those, those, yep. right. Yep. Those Great. muscles and those, right. And those are the ones that really r- are really hurt so you have to when you're tr- or when you're doing the hill repeats you have to run harder without killing yourself but you have yeah. to run harder but find a level of steepness where your legs are forcing you to slow yourself down where you're not out of control but it can be so steep that you can't gain enough speed to actually get that breaking motion so right. it has to be that perfect yeah. balance yeah it's you know I, I always say that like your 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 body's angle to the ground is kind of your accelerator and decelerator. So if you picture yourself running downhill, the further you're going to lean forward is the faster you're going to go. And then the body starts to go backwards. That's your braking, right? So that's, you can kind of gauge like how steep it is, or if you're going to get out of control by that lean. So, um, you know, know that if you're going to be all the way back for, you know, an extended period of time, your quads are really going to be hurting because you're, your leg is extending and searching for the ground, your heel is going to be extended and you're going to get that, that force, that impact, that breaking. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but, um, no, that's beautiful. Um, thank you for all that. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously people have, if they have the grades, right, they can, they can go out there and they can do their, um, their running repeats. They can do their, uh, um, you know, practice power hiking, same thing on the treadmill. You, we can use treadmill. Some people don't have access to either. So, um, let's talk about some, some ways that people can kind of get in some, some, uh, you know, some hill, if you will, uh, training, you know, without what are some of the, uh, non-traditional methods that, that you, you know of. Yeah. So it's really the, the, heavy strength like like you were mentioning before the pulling the pulling the tire so anything that 
any resistance that you can have behind. I've I've seen people running in place and using using the elastic bands to mm-hmm. any any time where you can have that heavy resistance that you're that you're pushing or pulling against. That's really that's that's really the workout that um, that I would recommend. Whether it's a tire or it's a sled, I know there are d- many different many different ways to achieve. Um, similar things. Um, I think stairs work quite well, which, and I know they're Perfect. they're boring, and you have to find the right place. But everybody has stairs. You know, Florida has stairs. Yep. Anybody has yep. stairs. Um, or a stair master, right? You know, they can use right, stair right, master. yep, right, exactly. Yeah, if you don't have a treadmill, there are many different. Right, the stair master is awesome. I've used it, and it's actually um, very very hard. Um, but I would say if you're going to invest in something, invest in a treadmill if you're in a flat place and yeah. you need some hills. Um, but find one that's that's more specific for hills because there are many treadmills out there that either won't go high enough or they're not quite quite as strong and precise as they could be. So do your research before purchasing it and make sure you get the right one. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The, uh, um but you know, the stairs, it's, that's a, a huge one. Um, parking garages as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get the, uh, you can do either way. You can go up the ramp and come down the stairs. You can go up the stairs, come down the ramp and, you know, kind of get that both training, um, or just go up the ramp and come down the ramp. You know, there's so many different right. ways you can do it, but you know, parking garages are also a great, great place to go. Um, you know, and, and obviously all of the, uh, Floridians are used to talking about the bridges, <laughs> you know, right. they do. Like, <laughs> right, right. That's, that's what they always talk about is the bridges. Uh, the bridges, right. Yeah, the bridges. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, I was talking with, uh, uh, another woman yesterday and she was up in Ohio and, uh, she talked about how they just used to run around the block with the tire, you know, strapped mm-hmm. on their back. And, um, you know, it's, uh, again, just like, I just caution, you know, just make sure that you've got good form, that you're not breaking and straining, right? You know, I mean, you can hurt your back that way. You can hurt your hamstrings. So, right, right of, of what you're doing, don't pull too much. You know, like, that's just as we were talking earlier. Start easy, you know, start with a small right. tire. <laughs> start right. with the right, right, right. Start with the start donut. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And <laughs> work into it. Uh, you know, don't feel like you have to pull a tractor tire. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know, I think those are, that's really, you know, that's some some great things right there. Um, and, uh, you know, for, um, uh, for those that, you know, um, that want to kind of incorporate some, uh, some kind of workout into their training and they do have access to a good size hill. What's one of your favorite workouts, which, what one would you recommend as just, let's say for, you know, somebody that's just getting into, uh, workouts and wants to do a mountain race, like, what would be one one good workout you recommend? So, uh, am I allowed to recommend two? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I like the short hill repeats, and I like the longer longer hill hill repeats. And specifically, by short short hill repeats, I mean um, you know you warm up, and then about a minute and a half, uh, not all out, but close to it maybe you know 400 meter track effort um and about more than 15 percent grade um i do that about you know 10 to 15 times or so 
Um, and that specifically helps me because one thing, one of the things that I lack is turnover on the uphills specifically. I find it hard. I think it's my form. I am not sure what it is exactly, but, but it's the turnover is the turnover that I lack and doing almost a sprint that's a little bit more sustained uh, really helps me. And then as far as the longer and by longer, I mean, um, I'll do about three miles up or so and then three miles down. Um, it's always runnable, either gravel or trails uh, or Jeep roads. Jeep roads are great for that. Um, I try to find something that's not super technical, uh, but still that's somewhat technical. That's where Jeep roads are really nice. Um, and when I'm, uh, I, I'll just start by uh, earlier in the season, I'll do easy three miles up and then the harder down. And then when I'm really into the training, I'll do the hard three miles up, recover, and then the hard three miles down. And I'll do that, you know, between two or three times, depending what, during what time in the training you are. And I find that very helpful for confidence for what I find difficult in the hills is the transition to, right? So you work, 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 and then you get to the top and then you have to work, work, work coming down and then you have to do it again. Yep. So if, yep. as, as, as long as it's only one hill, it's all good. But when it's multiple hills, it's that transition that's, that's, at least for me, it's really hard on the, on my legs and on my spirits to, you know, really finding the motivation to then work hard on the next hill. That's what, that's why I like the hill repeats because they can break them down. Uh, but it, it, the thing that benefits me the most is really, I, I see the difference as the months go by in my, um, in the efficiency and how my legs feel during the second and third hill hill repeat because at the very beginning it's just much harder than at the end and those are really my two my two I, favorite yeah I, I, I have uh, this one is um, one that people can work into uh, and you know at the beginning do one uh, one interval session and then it will kind of evolve into um, you know later on into another so. Um, what, what the, this starts with is depending on your level of fitness and, and how much experience you have with intervals, you can do, uh, two or three per set. Um, and even, um, you know, I have some of my athletes do four, uh, again, depending on experience, but it's mm -hmm. a quarter mile hill. And so you're doing two, three or four intervals for the set. The first set is, uh, uphill hard. So you're going at, you know, let's say like, um, you know, 5k effort, you know, between mile and 5k effort. So it's pretty hard. Right. And then you recover back down to the start of the hill. So you do all of your repeats there. And then when you finish the last one, you, you just rest there for, you know, whatever it takes minute, two minute, make sure you're fully recovered. You're just standing rest and then you do it reverse. So now you're going downhill. So now you're racing hard, right. a quarter mile and doing your repeats. So you can walk back up if you need to jog back up, whatever you need to do to recover but your second set is downhill intervals and then you'll finish down at the base of the, you know, the hill at the start of the hill and then uh, take your recovery and then do it on the flat, find mm -hmm. a, you know, a flat and do, uh, you know, two, three or four intervals on the flat uh, with, you know, whatever I usually give them uh, try to equal or more recovery. Right. So you know, if it's on the flat and it takes them 
whatever it may be a minute, a minute 90. You can even just do like, you know, like you said, a minute or a minute and a half interval. It doesn't necessarily have to be a quarter mile or whatever you have access to on a hill, but then you do it on the flat, a minute or a minute and a half, and then take a minute, minute and a half recovery, and then do your next interval. Um, and, and, you know, those intervals can grow. Um, and then that evolves to later in the season where now instead of um, just going up, you're going to go up hard and then automatically turn around and come back down hard. Down hard, right. Yeah. And you can do, you know, depending again on your level of fitness, uh, four to even eight repeats of that, and then do, you know, four to eight flat repeats at the bottom, uh, just depending on your level of fitness and where you're at. So, um, and again, that's what I always tell all my athletes is especially like with strength training, you know, training, if I prescribe something and you're not quite there, stick with where you're at. You should right. always work out as you know, I want you to start easy. Don't go all out at the beginning, right? It's just like a hundred right. miles. Exactly. Exactly. Out at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Save it for, you know, later in the, in the workout. And I always want a workout to be finished. Like you could do more. Like, I don't want you ever to go to the well. So if you're going to the well, especially, you know, early in the workout, it, that's too hard. Right. So pull back, be okay with pulling back. That's the biggest thing, especially on Hills. <laughs> you should right. find like that comfortable gear. So, you know, I, I, I always say like when you're climbing, it should feel like you're putting forth the same effort as if you are on the flat. It's not right. the same pace, obviously. It's the same effort, whatever that is. Right. Yeah. So if, you know, you slow down you're, and you're still running, that's great. If you have to slow down to a walk just to maintain that same effort, that's what you want, right? You want that consistent effort throughout. So, you know, when you're thinking about climbing, you know, think about your effort. Where am I at? Is this too hard compared to where I just was on the flat or the downhill? And if so, you know, be okay with pulling back, you know, you're going to save your legs. So, uh, right. And that's where, I, that's where experience, I think, t- plays a big part because there is nothing like hills that keeps you honest, right? It's one thing going too fast on a flat. I think you have the possibility to recover. If you go too fast for too long on hills, it's very hard to come back from it. So you should, you know, especially on a hundred miler, you should probably be, uh, feel a little bit more comfortable at the beginning on hills that you would on flats, because if not, it's going to catch up with you later on. Yeah. Umstead, they, they said it really wisely. It said, you know, eat before you're hungry, drink before you're thirsty and walk before you're tired. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) It's, it's exactly right. You know, so um, just, you know, take care of yourself on those hills. <laughs> yes. It makes a big difference. Yes, absolutely. And you know, even on the downhills as well, you know, like you may think that in the beginning of the race, you're like, yeah, I could bomb this, but will that come back to bite you later on in the right. race? So right. just be cognizant of the downhills as well. Don't let them, <laughs> don't let them take you out of a Get race. You. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, God. So, um, and so uh, let's uh, let's kind of wrap up with uh, what was uh, think about your your favorite climbing race and um, what was the the best part of it and what was the worst part of it? Okay, definitely. And I'm going back because I am am I allowed to have the example of a race that I didn't finish? Of course, absolutely. Okay, great. <laughs> the the Lavaredo, a hundred kilometers. You know, the North Face in Italy. Um, I, 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 well, let me start. I, I didn't finish. Um, probably didn't. It, it, and, and this is not an excuse because I don't like excuses, but it was very warm. So it was hard to stay height, you know, drink enough and, and, and eat enough. So with, 
I don't know how many, not a lot, but maybe 10, 12 miles to go, I was just completely done. Um, it didn't help that I was alone, meaning, you know, if, if Gil had been there, he's always fantastic at making me do the right things and saying the right things. But anyway, my point was um, I, I, I felt prepared mentally. There are a lot of people at, at the race, I think they have over a thousand or so. And I find that difficult, you know, mentally to have all those people around. But I was prepared mentally. Um, the the climbs were harder than I've ever, I mean, harder than Wasash or anything like that. I find them, I found them very hard, very long. You would go steep, steep, steep for so long that you just didn't think it was possible. But just the views and the place, just an unbelievable, unbelievable race. Um, kind of in the middle, you start at night, you start at midnight. And so around maybe seven or eight in the morning, you get up to this, uh, to the summit, to this pass. And there's this big hut up there and all the Dolomites are around you. It was just mind boggling. I know, you know, because you've done, you've done UTMB. Um, but the nice thing about the race and my favorite part was that they were steep and they were long, but they were not so technical that, you know, it just impeded. You could get in that rhythm yes. and in that pace where you felt like you were working hard, but you were making good time. Um, so that was definitely my favorite. My not favorite part was just to say, I'm going to go home and that's why I want to go back. It's probably maybe the only race where I DNF'd where I said, I really want to go back and I really want to finish it because it was absolutely beautiful yeah yeah gosh yeah that's very cool (laughs) yeah it's beautiful you know the alps and this is just my own personal i think the alps are just the most beautiful thing that there is the dolomites and all that region is just gorgeous so racing up there i wish there were fewer people i'm not a fan of the races with a lot of people but you know i'll take it (laughs) yeah yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, are you going to come back for Hellbender? Yes, Hellbender was awesome. I didn't, I didn't realize that North Carolina was that hard. <laughs> you know, I had done Mount Mitchell a few times. Um, it's just a gorgeous course and beautiful. And it's definitely on on my list. And I'll, and I'll make sure to wear a headlamp on the pavement section this time. <laughs> we're we're taking that out now. So you will be oh, the okay. only one that has ever called on the road. You won't go That's down it. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> so we, will, we will be starting at the camp and finishing at the camp. We have a trail now. Oh, uh, nice. Yes. So we do not have that first road section and we do not have to finish at the other location. So uh, we're very excited about that. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah. Good for you. Very yeah, exciting. no, we're very excited about it. Yes, absolutely. So, are you uh, having it this year? Is it all good to go? With no, uh, we're, okay. we're until next year. Yeah, um, got it. We, yeah, the, the um, the problem this year was that the um, uh, the parkway was only allowing 50 people, um, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. any event right now, and that's you know, stipulation from the state. So, um, yeah. that, that may change, but we we just we didn't know, so it was just it was too much of a what if, you know, for, right. for us to because we actually need that permit to secure the national forest service. Permit. Sure. Uh, and you know, it, it didn't look like we really wanted to, you know, they weren't really going to issue it. So it was right. kind of a, 
too much of a crapshoot. We didn't want to just like leave it up in the air and, and have registration open and they like, Oh, sorry, we can't do it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So we, we held off. Um, but, um, Smart. Yeah, we're, yeah. Next year, next year, it's, uh, hopefully going to be the beginning of May. Nice. Uh, yeah. That's a great so time. we're gonna, we're going to try to um, make it consistent every year that that first weekend in May if we can. So um, we're we're working on all that right now. But very yeah. nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I really, Franny, thank you so much for for coming on here and, and sharing your knowledge with us. We appreciate thank you. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk yeah, to you and wonderful. see you. thank Franny for coming on to the podcast and sharing all of her knowledge and experience. It's wonderful. I always enjoy catching up with her. Uh, you know, as we talked about in the podcast, we've had a, a real <laughs> long relationship as I think I started doing their races back in like 2003 or something like that. Even, maybe even earlier than that, but um, just some, some great races that they put on, you know, check out their, uh, their races. Uh, I'll put their website in the show notes. Um, and thank you again, Franny. Uh, I hope you guys picked up some tips and tricks for your next mountain race. And if you're not training for a mountain race, perhaps it's a resource you can use further down the road. If you have further questions and want to reach out to either of us, don't hesitate. Just let us know what questions you have or comments, you know, things that have worked for you. Um, you know, we're, we're not saying we're the end all be all. So, you know, if, if you guys have other ideas, let us know. Absolutely. Love to hear those. And, um, yeah, everything's good here. Um, I, you know, want to say a huge thank you to uh, to everybody. Um, I've reached over ten thousand downloads for the uh, for the podcast. Uh, you know, we we were, I just remember posting the seventy five hundred, and uh, we're already at ten thousand. So, um, moving along quickly now. It's really great. I really appreciate all of my guests that have come on. They made that uh, you know they made this possible to uh, you know to hit that milestone. And uh, really, thank you to you all for for listening, being a part of this. Uh, you know, I continue to implore you to to ask questions. Um, you know, make comments. Let me know what you want to hear. Um, it's it really is. It's been a, a joy, as I always say, to to do this and to share um, and to talk about these various topics and and actually learn along the way. Obviously, you know, continue to learn and grow. So, thank you all. Thank you for that. Uh, my newsletter has been a little bit delayed. Uh, I'm recording this the day after Easter, um, and uh, just been you know a little bit busy here with uh, with the kids and uh, the holiday. So my apologies. The newsletter has not been out yet, but um, I've got some time uh, with you know with vacation this week. So I'm going to try to knock that out. Um, the newsletter, in case you've never received it, all of the old ones are archived on my website mrrunningpains.com. Uh, as are all of the old podcasts. If you go under the connect link, you'll find uh, an, another link to either the newsletter um, or the old episodes. So um, you can find them there. If you haven't subscribed, you can also do so on the website. So please subscribe. And uh, the newsletter is, it's, you know, uh, I've tried to make it just a really useful uh, information, things that you can use, uh, whether it be training tips, gear reviews, um, <laughs> recipes for on the run, um, 
you know, songs you can download to your playlist, uh, episodes, uh, podcasts that I've heard that, you know, have really, you know, been great, a dissemination of information. So, uh, you know, just try to make it a really good resource for, for everybody. Um, you know, something useful that you can use. So please subscribe over there, um, on my website and that should be up this week. So again, my apologies in, uh, the delay, but it's coming. <laughs> um, Recovery is going well. Uh, you know, last episode, episode fifty nine, uh, talked about Umstead and how that went, and uh, <laughs> tried to go running uh, on uh, on Saturday. I'm recording this on Monday, and uh, uh, legs just weren't quite ready yet. <laughs> um, you know, they it's a good rule of thumb to say that you know for every ten miles that you ran in a race, you need. Uh, a day of recovery. So 100 miles uh, need about 10 days of recovery. So um, really want to run, you know, I'm, I'm mentally, I'm fresh and I'm ready to go, but uh, body wasn't quite there. Uh, did get COVID vaccination number one. Uh, so, you know, that could have also played a part in it. Um, on Thursday, uh, felt a really lethargic on Friday, but uh, I got the Pfizer shot. So, um, you know, it, uh, it really is affecting people differently, but you know, that could have had a part in it too. So excited to get back to running for sure. Um, I signed up for uh, grindstone, the grindstone 100. That was my first hundred ever back in 2016 when I did the B series. So, um, um, it was just kind of a, a fail safe. Um, I got my Western States, uh, qualifying run at Umstead. So that's taken care of, but um, you know, as I've said, I'm number 17 on the wait list for hard rock. Um, they haven't changed the wait list since December. So I don't know if I've moved or not. I, I doubt it, but, um, you know, I, I guess, uh, if I, if I don't get into hard rock, I'm going to need another qualifier this year. And that's where grindstone will come in. So, um, grindstones end of September this year. Registration is open. Um, Clark Zealand puts on a great race. I really enjoyed my experience at the, at the grindstone in 2016. Um, I, I, you know, it fills up quick, uh, as I know, um, you know, there are people that transferred over from last year and, uh, like I said, registration opened April 1st. So check that out online, uh, if you're interested and, uh, let's see, um, man, um, I appreciate those that continue to reach out about coaching. Um, like I said, uh, in the last episode, um, Thad, my, my cohort, co-coach, um, he has some spots available for, for those interested. Um, I am certainly, um, you know, <laughs> filling up quick and, uh, I probably should say I am, I am full, but, um, you know, it's not to say that, um, I won't have spots that, that opened up, uh, you know, as, as time progresses, um, uh, as people finish up and decide that they don't need a, um, you know, coach, uh, for, you know, for all intents and purposes. So, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Always here for a conversation. Um, definitely want to hear from you. And, and, uh, you know, even if you just need some, uh, some ears to listen and, and hear about your training, um, also have the individualized training plans. So you can check those out on my website as well. If you're interested in a 12 or 16 individualized plan, I'll just write the plan and go over it with you. Make sure you don't have any questions and, and off you go. Um, and so check that out on the website. Um, other than that, um, once again, you know, thank you so much. 10,000 downloads <laughs> just kind of blows my mind. I'm really excited by that. And, uh, you know, again, thank you for, uh, 
for everybody that supported this podcast in, in every way. Uh, you know, really thank you to my Patreon supporters. Um, it's awesome. You know, that, that really does help me, um, kind of put out some, uh, put these episodes out. Um, and, um, as always, you know, YouTube, um, I've got some content that I want to get up. I just haven't had the time to, to record the videos. So again, perhaps with some time this week, uh, I can get some stuff up. Um, I've had some very specific requests for videos, so, uh, I will work on that for sure. Um, and, uh, as I start up my training journey again, you can always follow me on Strava. Um, Aaron Saft, MR running pains on Strava. So, uh, join me on there. Uh, watch as I, as I train and, you know, ask questions. If you have questions, you know, what, what I'm doing, uh, why I'm doing it. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a cool journey. I'm looking forward to, to training for, for grindstone again. And well, even potentially for, uh, for hard rock, um, you know, it's still a potential. So, uh, please share along on my journey. Uh, as always guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. Um, reach out with any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to hear. Uh, but most of all, thank you guys so much. Uh, keep running my friends and I'll talk to you next week. Wrote this song while crew and Aaron on a hundred mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? Coming, rain is coming, can't give a fit.